Thank you for joining us today for this APQC podcast. My name is Lauren Trees, and I manage the Knowledge Management Research Program here at APQC. And today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Stan Garfield, who is a longtime community manager, author, speaker on all things KM, and, and friend of APQC. So welcome, Stan. Thanks, Lauren. Glad to be here. So Stan will be participating as a workshop facilitator and an expert at ABQC's 2019 KM conference, which will be taking place April 29th through May 3rd in Houston. So we thought it'd be a great opportunity to get together and, and talk about what's going on right now in the KM space. So Stan, I wanted to start by asking you what missteps you feel like organizations are, are making in KM right now? And, and in particular, do you see any big missed opportunities or things that organizations should be doing but aren't? Well, certainly I do, and I've written uh, extensively about the things that can go wrong in knowledge management. But to pick out a few, I think one that I've seen happen is that an organization doesn't have a vision for what it wants CAM to be. They're sort of following along, doing things, not ever stopping to say, what do we want to achieve what would it look like if it was working the way we want it to, and then be able to articulate that so that anytime anyone says to them, you know, what's this knowledge management stuff, they have this fairly powerful vision that they share that can get other people excited about it. And what kind of goes hand in hand with that is also being able to articulate to the typical user, what are the compelling use cases? If they say, well, what do you want me to do in knowledge management? You can't just respond with some vague thing about collaborating or sharing knowledge, you have to have something more compelling than that. So you should be able to give them use cases where they can recognize those as being relevant to their work and that what you're proposing would actually make their life better, would make their job easier, would save them time, would give them better results and so forth. So starting with the vision and adding compelling use cases, to me, many organizations have missed that. And if you were to ask them that, they'd, they'd fumble with it. I think that's one that yeah, go ahead. No, I, th I think that's such a great answer because there's so many things that organizations are, are doing that they probably shouldn't be or that they shouldn't be doing that they are, but it's because they're they're leading with technology or they're leading with different ideas without that centralized vision. Right, and related to that exact point is the idea that they'll chase the latest fad, something comes along that becomes well-reported and commonly presented on at a conference like APQC's conference and then they'll want to use that because they're hearing a lot about it. But rather than using things that are already proven or they're perhaps more relevant to them. And they're trying to figure out what other people are doing and mimic that rather than figuring out what's best for their needs. And their needs may be similar to other organizations, in which case seeing what others are doing can be valuable. But sometimes they just do things because they've seen others talk about it or they've read about it or heard about it. And it isn't necessarily the thing they need to do the most. So that's another uh, misstep that I've seen. And then there's one that I've seen most recently talking to a few organizations is that they don't necessarily start from a good foundation of having a good information architecture in place. So they may have various legacy systems that they're using and, and they're sort of trying their best to keep them going and maintain them. But they haven't stepped back from that and said, you know, how is this all designed? How does it fit together? How should it work? And perhaps redesigning things to, to better fit an information architecture rather than just kind of keeping the systems limping along. 
And the final one I would say is that they spend too much time, and I've certainly been part of organizations where this is true, too much time on keeping their platforms updated to the latest version, migrating to new versions and so forth. This is sort of imposed on them often by the vendors. It isn't that they've chosen to do this. It, it isn't necessarily any great benefit that they'll receive from doing it, but they're sort of forced into it. So if you're on a platform, a new version of the platform has been released, there can be a significant amount of resources, time, effort, expense put into just migrating to that version when there's actually no real benefit that results. Yeah, I think all of that resonates with our experience and the, the research that we've done. And my next question is really around what KM leaders should be investing in, in terms of tools, approaches, and, and other changes based on everything that we're seeing in the marketplace. But I think in the context of what you were just saying, maybe it's not a particular thing uh, necessarily, but, but how should they be going about making those decisions and making good decisions about where to spend their, their limited time and resources? Well, I think that starts by making sure you know what the top opportunities are for your organization and then matching up the processes and tools you're going to use to those. So as an example, if you've determined that what you really want to do is make sure that your experts are connected to each other, then a community's enterprise social network program could be the right thing. And then if you do it, just need to do it with the right leadership, someone who can really lead that effectively and understand what the trade-offs are when you implement a program like that. Similarly, if you're going to do recognition and rewards, that can be very effective in motivating people to exhibit the behaviors you want. So do that right and also get it to yield some success stories from your organization that you can use as part of communicating about your program. One that I think is really missed, because it's not necessarily a technology initiative, but can be very powerful, is the idea of content curation. So this is just something where you have to put some effort in, uh, where you, you figure out what is the organization's information need, what can we do to make sure that the most commonly looked for pieces of information are readily available. So some organizations might actually you know, start working out, oh, we'll get a better search engine or we'll engage in some kind of search tuning, and that can be valuable. But a non-technology solution is just to think about this and ask the question, what are the top 100 topics that are important to our organization? What do we have in the way of information resources to apply to those? Can we just make those so readily available and easy to find that when people go looking for them, they won't struggle through getting bad search results or not knowing where to look. They'll get back the kind of content that can immediately help them. So those are some of the things I think that like, investing in would really benefit people. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of organizations investing in chatbots and doing some of that curation of their really high value content in order to put it into a chatbot. But you realize they've, it's probably something they should have been doing anyway, regardless of whether they have a technology to feed it into. Um, you know, but but it's at least forcing people to do some of that curation of of the really important things and making them more visible and accessible and making sure that those FAQs have ready answers. Right. And, you know, as an example, if you do a search nowadays, you're accustomed in Google to getting what they call a knowledge panel or it's an information 
card that comes up with information that's already been extracted from one of the search results. And that's really, I think, what people are looking for. They don't really want to have to click through a bunch of search results. They just want to see the information that they're seeking presented to them immediately. And I think organizations have an even easier time of potentially doing that because there's only a finite amount of things that are important to them. And they can figure that out both by thinking about it and also looking at search logs. They can figure out what people tend to look for. And if they can supply, let's say, 90% of that through, through information uh, cards or knowledge panels or the equivalent, and that can really make a difference. So in APQC's 2019 KM Priority Survey, two things that we saw um, really emerging as top trends are the application of Agile to KM and, and the application of design thinking and user-centric design to KM. Um, not particular technologies, but, but those sort of techniques and methodologies. So I wanted to get your take on why you think those things are becoming so popular in KM and, and what role they're playing. So I think those two are very important. And I would add a third that I mentioned, which is information architecture, which is not new, but perhaps is overlooked. Let's talk about agile and design thinking. The reason I think that they become popular is because there's a real need for them. We do really need better usability and findability. We need better systems design and development methodologies and, and certainly agile and design thinking lend themselves to that. So if you use those to develop better systems, if you use them, to come up with better user interfaces, so much the better. I think where you can get into trouble is if you just grab onto them because they're a shiny new object and you don't really understand much about them, or if you try to apply them in ways that they don't fit. For example, I've been asked in the past about agile knowledge management. It's almost it became a buzzword that got created out of agile development. And if you say, well, we've got to do agile KM, what does that mean? You know, so be careful. To not just use it as a word, but understand you know, what is agile methodology. Now, people can approach things other than systems development using agile approaches, and that's good. But I would say if you think about agile in terms of knowledge management, think about what does that mean? Does that mean to be more flexible? Does it mean to be focusing on things that will make your organization more, more successful? And think about it in ways that aren't sort of just uh, buzzword laden. That's that's what I would say. And the same thing with design thinking. You know, you can say, well, we're going to use design thinking, but you should be stepping up, stepping back, and saying, why do we want to use that? Well, we want to make it so that our systems work better, are easier to use, and our users will prefer. So, if you have those objectives in mind, I think both agile and design thinking can be great. But don't just latch on to them just because you've heard them as, as latest trends. Yeah, and we never know when we do trend research how much people are really implementing things or they're just checking boxes of things that they've heard about that they think would be good. But I definitely think that the both agile and, and design thinking have a, a role to play in helping people deal with the kind of rapid change that we're seeing. And so people are are looking for for techniques that will help them um, be more lower lowercase a agile um, in their KM development, whether that's tool development or approach development or strategy development, uh, you know, I think organizations are just looking at a, a faster cycle time there and, and trying to figure out how to deal with it. Yes, and I would say that if you add information architecture to those three, you've got a pretty, three pretty good approaches that you can use, not just for systems and tools, but in general for, for how you approach knowledge management. 
Well, let me ask you a little bit more about where you see information architecture and, and information management playing into this, because I think that's an area organizations have struggled for a long time. But I think we're seeing renewed interest and renewed focus on it as organizations are realizing they need that better foundation in place to do some of the sexy, cool things that they want to do with their, their data and their knowledge. So, I, so my recommendation would be to find a respected information architect that they're out there and ask them to come in and review your current architecture. You may, you may have one and the, the architect may endorse it and say, good job. Uh, you may not have one and they may help you to create one or you may have one that really needs to be revised so it can be more effective. So I would start there. And then from that, I think you go to things that relate to uh, design thinking, things like findability and usability and try to review your current situation as the content that you have. Is it findable? Uh, are the systems that you have, are they usable? And then the, you know, make improvement recommendations on those. So, and I think by employing a, uh, a respected architect, you can at least get an audit maybe of your current situation, but you can also look at what changes you need to make. And you get them from somebody who's not already uh, wedded to what you've done in the past. And I think that helpful, it's very helpful to get that fresh perspective and they may, you know, if they endorse what you're doing, that's great. But they may say, you know, you're missing this. And that's a really great opportunity to get a fresh set of eyes on what your approach is. Yeah, I think it's always good to get that fresh set of eyes, for sure. So as we, uh, uh, my final question really relates to the theme of our 2019 KM conference, which is bridging the, the gap between high tech and high touch. Um, and I wanted to ask you how you think organizations can do that and, and, and specifically how they can, can take advantage of some of the new tools out there, some of the new capabilities, while at the same time helping employees build meaningful collaborative relationships, transfer deep experiential knowledge, and all those classic analog KM capabilities that we tend to think about. The first thing I would say is that you always have to keep these two in balance. You want to embrace the new technologies. You want to be as high tech as makes sense and can be exploited effectively. But at the same time, you want to keep in mind why you're doing this and the people you're serving. So you don't want to let one thing get out of whack. So if the technology serves the processes that you're putting in place and the people that are going to use those processes, then the high tech technology can make it better, in which case embrace it, go for it. But but don't get pulled in the direction of how we think. Like you mentioned chatbots. Don't install chatbots for the sake of installing chatbots. If they don't they don't help anything, then then don't don't bother with that. So so if you keep things in balance, one way to do that that I've used is if you have project leaders in your KM team for each of three categories that we routinely use in knowledge management, people, process, and technology, then you can try to maintain the balance by having people who focus on those while at the same time being able to integrate them into the whole. So you don't want to do any one of those without keeping in mind how it affects the other two. But if you have people who focus on them that are good at it, for instance, if you have a really great technologist, but you also have somebody who's really good at people programs, then by working together, they'll tend to influence each other and the technology will never get too far away from making sure it serves the people well. But at the same time, if you have the technologist influencing the people person to make sure that their programs can be can actually be implemented effectively. So to me, that's an approach that keeps them in balance and keeps the you know the gap to a minimum 
And then you, you worry about things like making sure you have a great user experience and you make sure that content is findable and you make sure that what you're doing in fact reflects the objectives of your organization. But I think by, by keeping that people process technology focused with an eye towards integration, you can bridge that gap between high touch and high tech. And it also kind of brings our conversation full circle in terms of having that vision, because I think if you have all of those people who specialize in people, process, technology aspects, but they're all working towards that shared vision and, and have that that view clearly, then that helps a lot in terms of making sure that the, the tools that you're implementing, the approaches that you're implementing are going to serve that broader purpose. Right. You know, you bring in new capabilities. They should always help achieve the business objectives, not just be ends under themselves. So that so seems kind of obvious, but it's important. Uh, there's also the idea that you shouldn't just jump full steam onto these new technologies and abandon old ones, especially ones that work well. For example, there's nothing really new about communities and online discussions and FAQs and things like that, but they, they've been proven to work well. So don't abandon the things that are tried and true, even if they're old, while you chase something new that isn't necessarily proven or tied to the kinds of objectives that you have. So I would just summarize it by saying you use the new capabilities to enhance proven practices rather than to distract from them. I think that's great advice, and I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much, San, for sharing your insights, and I look forward to continuing the conversation with you and with all of our attendees at this year's APQC KM conference. Thanks, Lauren.